Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we tackle important questions about journalism ethics and give you a behind-the-scenes look at our industry and our newsroom. I'm Luis Cruz. Every year, the San Diego Union-Tribune takes an in-depth look at the homicide rates in our region. According to a Union-Tribune analysis of data collected from local law enforcement agencies, last year's total number of homicides represented a slight increase compared with 2020. Joining us today to discuss what the UT's analysis shows us is Union Tribune Public Safety Editor Dana Littlefield, Public Safety Reporter David Hernandez, Union Tribune Managing Editor Laura Sacalo, and we begin with Editor and Publisher Jeff Light. Jeff? Okay, thank you, Luis. Um, I guess we should uh, uh, start off uh, with you, Dana, as the Public Safety Editor. I mean, here's a, a whole story about all the murders and it's the murders of 2021, right? So quite a while ago. Um, so like, what is it that we're trying to accomplish by doing this? Why, why do we write this story every year? Well, for one thing, um, I, I think that covering, you know, as a, as a public safety editor and for my team as, you know, courts and crime reporters, I think writing about homicides in particular is, um, a very important thing that we do. I mean, you know, it's a it's a major crime. It affects a lot of people. There are, you know, personal issues to be reported about each individual case, as well as systemic issues to be covered. So taking this broad look at homicides year by year, I think not only gives us an opportunity to look at these cases on that micro and macro level, but also to give us some context. And it's context that we can continue to um, to go back to, continue to um, to refer to in our stories as we go forward. And that context that I'm referring to specifically is, you know, how many, how often is this happening? You know, what's the trend? Is are, are, are we seeing more homicides? Are we seeing fewer homicides? Um, you know, where are they happening? Why are they happening? The why is usually a little bit more difficult to get at. Um, but, you know, we live, this is not something that is new, but, you know, you hear the rhetoric of, you know, oh my God, the sky is falling, you know, there's violence everywhere in the streets. And this is an opportunity for us to kind of check that, you know, how, where is the problem? Is the problem growing? If it is growing at what pace and allowing us to compare it to other cities, other major cities, and of course, other cities of comparable size. Um, so, you know, we can, to some degree, kind of check that rhetoric, you know, well, you know, yes, it's tragic, of course, whenever there is a homicide anywhere uh, and there are major, major effects of that. But San Diego still remains a relatively safe city comparable to other cities of you know similar size and other major cities. And that's something that I think it's important for us to stress to the community because it mm -hmm. is the truth and the numbers support that. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, uh, more than just relatively safe, if you looked at that, you know, the whole uh, the whole sort of ladder of homicide in America, you, you know, we would certainly be toward the bottom of that. But let, I just want to spend another minute on this question of why we do this story. So when we talk about revisiting these crimes 
and mapping these crimes, is there not a, a risk of stigmatizing communities where crimes occur? And, you know, how do we sort through that? I feel like there's uh, uh, a, a real trend in journalism to revisit these questions of how we report on crime and uh, uh, broadly to de-emphasize uh, reporting on crime for some of those reasons. How, how does your group, Tina, think about that? I think that is a major risk, and it's something that I and my team think about quite often. Uh, David and I specifically spent the summer as part of a program that examines these issues, how we want to rethink public safety coverage with an eye toward, you know, not making it worse. I guess that's kind of the, the basic way that I would put it, you know, to report what's happening, to be accurate in that reporting, but also be mindful of the effects that we can have as journalists as we're as we're reporting this information and to make sure that we're looking at things the right way phrasing things the right way and talking to the right people um and and to be clear about what i mean by talking about the or talking to the right people you know that means not ignoring the people in the communities not only who are affected by these crimes but also what the community is doing to address them. So it's about realizing that, you know, this isn't just, a, you know, from the cops or the prosecutors or other types of investigators down to the community. What are we going to do to help you or to police you or to, you know, somehow, you know, enforce what it is we do up upon you? Um, that's part of the story for sure. But one of the things that we are trying to do more of, and it is so important to do, is to recognize what the community is doing and what the community is saying back to those structures, like police departments, the DA's office, um, and other, you know, entities out there who, uh, who deal in law enforcement. What is the community doing to protect itself, to uplift itself, to make sure it is known that their communities are not just about the crimes that happen to them. Um, so, so this is a thing that we try very hard to do and there's always room for improvement on that. And we are continuing to strive toward that improvement. This story to your earlier question, what does this story do, you know, in that vein? Well, we're talking to the people um, we've got, you know, some voices in the story that speak to that very issue from the community up or from the community out, how we respond to these incidents and what we think we need from the entities out there that are supposed to serve us. Yeah, yeah, that's part of a bigger conversation. And I think you've touched on what I consider some of the, the key elements, which is trying to build and understand uh, uh, an approach that uh, prioritizes communities and prioritizes victims as well in these in these public safety cases. Um, I, I really think those should be the key drivers for us. But let's turn to this year's story, David Hernandez. What uh, maybe give us an overview of 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 what you found out by looking at all this data? Yeah. So the big takeaway was that um, we did see an increase in homicides, not just in the city of San Diego, in the county as a whole. Um, 
It was a 2.6% increase for the county, and that is relatively small, a small increase compared to other parts of the U.S. Um, so, for example, just for some context, uh, the top 10 most populous U.S. cities, they all saw, which includes San Diego combined, they all saw a 7% increase. So um, our, our increase was much smaller. And um, like in previous and recent years, um, many of uh, this was driven by gun violence. So in San Diego County, we see that um, about uh, three in five cases of homicide include um, the use of a gun. Um, <clears throat> so all that I think offers, like Dana, I was talking about context, you know, when we hear about a rising crime um, and specifically homicide in San Diego, we can now put that into context in this story and future reporting in terms of how it compares to other parts of the U.S. Um, we also hear about, you know, gun violence a lot. This story, you know, shows that it is a, an issue um, and largely fueling the uptake in homicides. Um, so th those were the big takeaways. The story also explores what's being done about this. Um, so in San Diego, for example, um, the police department created a new team last year that uh, goes after people who make and sell ghost guns, which for anyone that doesn't know, um, are basically guns that are assembled from kits that come with parts, and these parts don't have serial numbers on them. So once they're assembled, um, and if they're used in a crime, they're very hard to track. Um, the police department created a team that basically tries to backtrack once they come across a gun and get to the bottom of where that gun, specifically the ghost gun, came from. And they also created um, an additional team of homicide investigators to try to solve more cases and to keep up with the caseload, essentially. Um, so yeah, th that's kind of what we're seeing in the area in terms of the problem and what's being done in response to it. And, and um, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, uh, um, uh, the homeless individuals as victims of homicide. Uh, that's something that we're beginning to be able to see for the first uh, for the first time, I think. Yeah, so we actually started tracking uh, this data that breaks it down, breaks down a victim demographic um, by whether an individual was homeless or not in 2018. So somewhat recently. Um, and uh, last year, we saw that 13% of the victims were um, uh, homeless. And that was an uptick from 2020 when 6% were homeless. Um, the year before that, it was two, and the year before that, in 2018, when we first tracked it, it was 7%, um, rather 8%, sorry. Um, so we, again, last year did see an uptick in that, and of course, that's um, a concern for you know many reasons. These are people who are living in the street without protection oftentimes. Um, and uh, there could be several reasons to that. You know, um, police, the story doesn't go into this too much, but police think oftentimes they have uh, weapons for protection. Oftentimes there's mental health issues involved, um, uh, drugs even. So there's a combination of reasons. And in terms of why that number went up last year, it's a little hard to say um, why that may be. Yeah. What was, uh, David, what was the, the actual number of uh homeless people who were killed 15 
15. So that really, that number really stood out to me because, uh, you know, I think the total homeless population uh, might be in the tens of thousands, right? I think at the point of time measurement, it's less than 10,000, but over the course of the year, uh, some tens of thousands. But that uh, uh, sort of murder rate, that's very striking. It's showing that like real, uh, another real danger to uh, people who are, who are on the street. Yeah. And that is um, something that stood out to me as well. And, um, you know, this story touches on so much and hopefully, you know, down the road, that's something that we can dig deeper into as well. That would be, I think, great. Mm -hmm. And then uh, just briefly, historically, where does uh, 2021 fit? I think we were looking at that table before we uh, got on the air here and reflecting on some of the years in the 90s that were really uh, much higher numbers. Yeah, and specifically, um, 1991, we saw two, the county um, saw 246 homicides compared to last year's um, 118. So that's when we really peaked in recent years. And ever since the 90s, we saw the numbers go down, although there were fluctuations, some upticks. Um, and then in 2010 is when we hit a low of 69 cases. So um even though last year there was an uptick it's far lower than the numbers are far lower than what they were in the 90s um and again just for a little bit more context um you know with the pandemic in 2020 we did see an uptick that it was pretty notable um so that year there was a 35 percent um increase in homicides in the county um and now again in 2021 like i said it was um 2.6 percent so essentially i think what that's showing to many people is that there although there was an uptick it's somewhat slowed down so 2020 hit there was a 35 percent increase last year's increase was 2.6 percent um and so for some people that shows that it's slowing down of course we will have to see what the numbers look like for this current year yeah and uh, um i think uh, you might have data on how we compare to other cities. I don't know if you've got that uh, for this year. Um, we have it for last year. Yeah. Um, uh, so we were, uh, again, several cities saw an increase. Um, seven of the 10 most populous U.S. cities saw an increase, including Chicago, New York, and um, L.A. Um, so we were not alone in that uptick. Yeah. Um, a few cities did see an increase, like I mentioned, um, and they include Phoenix and San Jose. And overall, San Diego actually, among those 10 most populous cities, had the second lowest uh, homicide rate. So to Dana's point earlier, you know, San Diego continues to be one of the safest cities when you take a look at the numbers, both in overall crime and when we look just at homicides. Yeah, and this is a sort of an impossible question that I ask myself every year, like, why is that? So when you look at those murder rates, so what is the rate per 100,000 or whatever in, in San Diego? How, how do you uh, measure that? Yeah, so in San Diego, it's 4.1 homicides per 100,000 residents. That was last year's um, So, so four per 100,000, and then some of those other cities, what are their numbers like? Um, so, for example, San Jose, we'll start with the lowest. They had 3.2 homicides mm -hmm. per 100,000 residents. And then you have an area uh, like Chicago 
that had 29 homicides per 100,000 residents, um, or about 30, basically. Um, so San Diego's is fairly less. Uh, LA. Right. So that's like, you know, you know yeah. 10. LA's rate was 10 homicides per 100,000 residents. And then, like, if you look just across uh, uh, to Tijuana, where there were, uh, I think, a, a just short of 2,000 homicides last year in a city of uh, a couple million people, two to three million people, that's that's going to be even another notch higher still. So what, uh, um, I don't know, Dana, you've covered uh, public safety in San Diego for uh, longer than any of us. Um, do you have any observations about, you know, what it is about the community structures, the, the I guess maybe the demographics, is it the policing? Uh, um, do we know anything about, you know, why our homicide rate would be so much lower than peer cities? Well, you know, I'm sure the law enforcement agencies would tell you it's because of, you know, policing and all that. I, you know, my answer is going to be a pretty unsatisfying one. And it's it's simply that we don't know. Um, that kind of works on the other side of this as well. We can't point to any one specific reason why, you know, that uptick happens year over year. Um, you know, I'm sure there is an answer or some, you know, spectrum of answers uh, as to why San Diego and San Diego County um, specifically, you know, it, it remains fairly low compared to other populous cities uh, in the country. Uh, but, uh, you know, we just haven't been able to pinpoint that. I know that's that's a question that you ask um, often, and it's a good one. And it's one that I wish I had a better idea right now how to get my arms around. Yeah. But it's certainly one that we consider every time this issue comes up, um, you know, and, it, and it's not a matter of, you know, trying necessarily to like trumpet, hey, look how safe we are. But are there some lessons to be learned here? You know, is this something that can be re replicated elsewhere? Um, you know, uh, are there these changes that we or are these, you know, issues that exist here in San Diego, um, something that can help us deal with other problems, other, you know, criminal activity within this? Can we get that rate even lower? You know, I just mm -hmm. don't know. Um, but, you know, we continue talking to our sources, trying to get at those reasons. And those sources come from law enforcement as well as well they should. And they will come from the community. We want to ask them as well. Why do you think that this is? And part of how we get at that is making sure we're all kind of coming from this, from the same starting point, understanding what the numbers are and what the numbers say. So a story like this and the previous stories that we have written like it go a long way to help us ask those questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's super well said. Yeah. The idea that it's because of law enforcement, I think we're actually on a per capita basis, have a very low level of law enforcement. So I don't think there's any correlation really between the number of police or police activity and the number of homicides of the arrow probably points in the opposite direction, right? If you had a higher number, you'd hire more police. But um, I guess that's for another day. Laura Sicalo, I wanted to, uh, to end with you on this, you know, this broader theme of crime coverage, uh, you you're in the position of selecting each day what what we what we uh, prioritize in our, our news report, what we put on the front page. Um, 
Um, I'm wondering about what your philosophy is about dealing with violence and crime as part of our overall news report. Well, I think the earlier point about being conscious of not wanting to stigmatize either areas or groups of people is is uppermost in in mind. I, I think we're very careful in the way that we handle crime and you know Dana and her team are diligent about having these conversations about the way we cover things, our approach to covering things. Um, we cover homicides when they happen and in most cases um, you know, those are handled, not to say they're routine, but they're they're handled and we await, you know, the adjudication in the in the courts. There are some that are very high profile for a variety of reasons. Um, there's something about the case, maybe, you know, it's a missing person and presumed dead, but there are questions about what has happened in the particular case. But maybe is handled differently than um, a domestic violence case in which the facts are known at the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think one of the values of this story that David has done is taking these threads that maybe we know over time because of various stories, the proliferation of guns, the issue that David mentioned about ghost guns, and putting that into this context that is really important for our understanding, our deeper understanding of crime. I think David's analysis found that three of five cases this year um, or in 2021 were the result of firearms. And that kind of information, I think, is really important for our understanding of what's going on in general with crime in our community. Yeah, well said. Well, uh, uh, very much looking forward to your report, David. Uh, that'll be out this weekend. Give a quick shout out, you guys. So sorry to Michelle uh, oh, from yeah. the graphics team. Because um, when we talk about analyzing the numbers, she uh, more or less did a huge chunk of that work. So um couldn't have been done without her. Yeah, Michelle Gilchrist, uh, uh, her work uh, will be prominently displayed this weekend. And it really is special. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up, David. Okay, Luis. Thank you very much, Jeff. And thank you, David and Dana and Laura. And uh, our thanks again to Michelle Gilchrist as well. To read more on this story, log on to our website, SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism. Have a great day, everybody.